Welcome to History Class After Hours, things your history teacher didn't have time to teach you. I'm Joseph Barra, and once again, joining me is Eli. Hello. And today we are going to finish up the Donner Party. So if you, just a recap from episode one, Donner Party um, got heavily involved in that gold rush in 1849, that massive wave of people moving from the east to the west, and while well, they wanted to go to California to strike it rich. Unfortunately for them, they weren't really outdoorsy, and then they're going to follow the horrible instructions of a man named Lansford Hastings that Hastings published a guide, they followed it, and they ended up, for the most part, getting lost, and the journey kept on, it took them longer than they anticipated. Um, and as we left off, they were just getting through the Great Salt Lake Desert, they had finally made it to the Sierra Nevada mountains and things started to look bad as um, snowstorms started coming in and they had to hunker down and try to wait out the snowstorms. Sound about right? Yep. Okay. Thank you, Alan. That's a good recap, I think. So we're going to start off with what is called the Forlorn Hope. As things got worse at Truckee Lake, remember Truckee Lake is where they're camping, try to wait out the winter. They're, they're going to send out a group of people to try to get over the Sierra Nevada mountains to Sacramento so they can bring back help. So they're going to pick 17 people, and of those 17 people, a good chunk of them are children. So they made 14 pairs of snowshoes, but remember, there's 17 people that are going on this expedition. It has snowed a lot. It snowed five feet in the first night alone. It's just a little bit. And... Just there's, Texas. there's a count that like gets up to like 25, 30 feet in certain that's, areas. How does it snow that much? That's a lot of snow. Well, they're high up altitude, oh, yeah, that's true. and all that warm water coming off the Pacific hits it. Yeah. I'm not going to get into the whole geology of everything, but so if you don't have snowshoes, you're just going to sink, and it's going to be almost impossible to move. So of those 17 people, three of them are just going to turn back really quick. All right, so they're going to pack lightly. Um, they took with them about six days' rations, a rifle, a blanket each, a hatchet, some pistols, and they hoped to make it to Sacramento. But once again, it's, it's already not looking good for them because three people turn back right away because they don't have the snowshoes. By the third day, most are snow blind. So what snow blindness is, the sun reflecting off the white snow is so um, bright, you can't see anymore. You're seeing spots. Right. Think of it like you are literally staring into the sun that's, for an extended period of time. That's terrible. Yeah, so it's not going well. The first person is going to fall on December 21st. His name is Charles Stanton. He is exhausted from the ordeal. He's just going to sit in the snow, light a pipe, and just sit there and die. And he told, tells the rest of the people, go on, I'm done. Just let me stay. Good way to die, right? Now. Yeah, he, he just kind of went peaceful. peacefully. Mm -hmm. It's peaceful. Um, after day eight, the party had become lost and confused and was, was without food. And this is where they go crazy. They, they turn on a dime and just go from civilized to very animalistic. So okay. after day eight, Patrick Dolan is going to suggest that someone should volunteer to die so the others could eat. Some suggested that a duel should take place and the loser should be the one that would be eaten. 
Others suggested a lottery. They would draw pretty much sticks, and whoever drew the shortest stick would be the one. And then another guy named Eddie is going to suggest to keep on moving on, and if someone dies, that's going to be the person they eat. So they have gone extremely drastic at this point. Now, you said they packed six days of food. Yes. But I bet you they could have rationed that to at least make it 10 to 12. That's a very good observation. So that means they have only been out of food for two days. And they're already just... They've gone mad. They've gone mad. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Wow. A blizzard is then going to come and hit the party, and movement stopped. The animal handler, Antonio, would die first, followed by another man named Franklin Graves. As the blizzard continued, Patrick Dolan, remember he was the guy that first... Suggested uh, cannibalism. First suggested cannibalism. He goes insane rips off his clothing, and just starts screaming and running around in the woods in the snow. That's probably a good sign that he was suffering from hypothermia. One of the symptoms is, for some reason, people who are suffering from it will rip off their clothes. They feel like warm. Yeah, feel warm. It's, it's kind of a weird phenomenon. But he's going to die a short, term later, short time later. So they've already lost three people that stopped. Four people have died already, so that means they're down to ten. Okay. Um, 12-year-old Lemuel Murphy was on the verge of death at the point the party decided to eat Patrick Dolan. So Patrick Dolan is going to be the first guy that they eat, ironically, because he was the guy that suggested eating people. Irony right there. That is some serious irony. The party would continue and strip and dry meat from other members that had perished. They kept track of where most of the meat came from, because they wanted to make sure that family members weren't eating one another. So even though they've gone just full barbaric, animalistic, whatever they're doing right now, they still have the mental capacity to think of something like that. I mean, they're making human jerky, which cannot be easy. Yeah. So after three days of rest, they set off again. They soon ran out of meat and began eating the ox hide and their snowshoes. Why they didn't start off with the oxide and snowshoes, I don't know. uh, You would think. They could have. Yep, they could have. But the oxide and snowshoes. They they, they went from nothing to let's eat each other. Well, they still had stuff they could have eaten. I feel like they digressed really fast, like morally. Two days. Yeah, two days. It happened in two days. I feel like they. They would have saved themselves a little time from, you know, not eating each other because there's 14 pairs of snowshoes now mm-hmm. that they could have eaten. And oxides, I'm sure, are not their small. Blankets. At least they would feel full. Right. I mean, yeah. So they ran out of meat, um, and now they discuss killing Luis and Salvador, which, remember, were two Native Americans that would join them earlier on. But someone is going to tip off. Luis and Salvador and tell them of the plan and they are going to escape. Two people then go out hunting, Eddie and Mary Graves. They return with the deer and they discover that Jay Fosdick had died and be eaten, been eaten. So now they're down to nine people, even though they brought back a deer. After several more days, they ran across Salvador and Luis again. William Foster would shoot them, believing they were the last hope to avoid starvation. So there is some serious rationing issues going on here because they had shot a deer, and you would think a deer could feed, it's actually seven people because Salvador and Luis had left, 
A deer could feed seven people for longer than a couple days. I'm sure it could, actually. Actually, it would. Um, I'm wondering if they were just so hungry, they just scarfed it all up right there. Uh, probably. So William Foster shoots Luis and Salvador, hoping to eat them. On January 12th, the remaining members of the party, so once again, they're down to seven, uh, stumbled across a Maiwa camp that had been the Native American tribe that Salvador and Luis had been part of. That's awkward. Yeah. I don't know, hopefully the, there were no, no questions asked. Well, I don't think that. Well. <laughs> the Maiwaks are very generous. They give them what they had to eat, acorns, grass, and pine nuts, and basically they had made bread out of all that stuff. That sounds like the worst. Yeah, it's food, ever. though. It's food. Well, actually, they're probably better than human, but... Yes. That's terrible. The seven remaining members of the party were described as ghouls and ghosts because they were so thin and just blank, like blank stare on their faces. After a few days, William Eddy, with the help of the Miwok, would eventually make it to the Sacramento Valley. On January 17th, the remaining six survivors are going to be rescued. It took them 33 days to get from Truckee Lake to Sacramento. And that was like, what, 120 miles? I think it was something like that, yeah. So they aren't making good time at all. Now the first relief is going to come. Remember, James Reed, if you think back to episode one, James Reed was involved in the scuffle. He got a bullwhip handle lodged in his head, and he killed the man that assaulted him. Well, they banished him. And remember, James Reed, after he's banished, he has to leave his family, and he's just going to get on a horse and just go for it. He just takes off, and he will end up in Sacramento. He's pretty lucky, other than, you know, the bullwhip in his mm-hmm. head. And leaving his family. That, that mm-hmm. too. But, I mean, other than that, he, Yeah, lucky. he made it. He made it. He didn't have to eat anybody. Well, James Reed kind of realizes that something bad is probably happening because the Donner Party should have been in Sacramento already and they haven't gotten there. So he is going to start going around trying to get people to form a rescue party. He comes in contact with a man named John Fremont. If you don't know who John Fremont is, he's a big time um, pioneer. He helped kind of settle the West and he's going to play a big part in um, California breaking away from Mexico. from Mexico. The bear flag revolution. That's why their flag has a bear. Bear on it. So as word started to circulate from the survivors of the Forlorn Hope, members of San Jose started to raise money for the relief party. They're going to raise about $35,000, which is quite a bit of money back then. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it's just to raise supplies and pay for the guys to go rescue the Donner Party. Because there's a lot of people that realize how dangerous it is and they're like no one goes up in the Sierra Nevadas in the winter it just it's not a good idea on February 18th a seven-man rescue party scaled Fremont Pass as they came close to where the old cabins were they began to yell Miss Murphy appeared from a hole in the snow which apparently she had been living in and she would reply are you men from California or did you come from heaven The relief party would dole out small amounts of food, fearing that people would die from overeating. The cabins were buried in snow, and it smelled horribly because they had tried to make roofs out of oxhide, and those were all rotting away and deteriorating and things like that. Kind of gross. Mm Mm-hmm. Pretty horrid living conditions. Yeah. Thirteen people of the party were dead and buried in shallow graves. 
Three members of the rescue party would then trek to where the Donners were. Remember, the Donners were a little farther back because um, uh, George Donner had gotten injured, so they didn't make it as far. Um, and they would bring four children and three adults back with them. Once again, George Donner, suffering from the injury, had become gangrenous, and so he was unable to move. 23 members are going to be chosen to be part of that first party back to San Jose. And on their way there, just that this mentality of must do anything to survive, some of the children start to eat the buckskin fringe from one of the rescuers' pants <laughs> and the shoelaces from another. And the relief party is like, what is going on? Like, we have, we have some food. And they're, they're just, that just shows how used they are. That's the... They're trying to gnaw on, like... The, the the strings the that pant, it, like yeah. this, the, eat the strings on the pants. Yeah, I hope, and I'm I, I'm visualizing that the guy's walking and there's just like a little kid hanging onto his leg, like gnawing on it. But I don't. I hopefully that wasn't the case. There's going to be three casualties. Two people are going to die on the trek back, and then William Hook, who is Jacob Donner's stepson, he is going to as they get closer to Sacramento. There's a storehouse. He breaks into it, and he gorges himself to death, which means he... Died of consumption. Nope. Not, not consumption. Well, consumption I mean, TB. consumption, yes, not the consumption that you were thinking about. He ate too much. He ate too much, and, like, his stomach just exploded. Virginia Reed would write, I really thought I had stepped over into paradise. And then she was amused to note that one of the young men asked to marry her. <laughs> she was only 12. That was not the right time. No, nope, yeah, probably not the right time. Read, read the room, fella. <laughs> she, she politely turned him down. I'm sure you're not that desperate yeah. to ask the girl who just, you know, probably has watched people die. Mm-hmm, and then, like, probably, uh, well, she may be happy. She just was reunited with her father. I can see that. Yeah, but so, I don't know if that's but she's still, still 12, right so. Time. And yeah. she's 12. Mm-hmm. So the second relief party. Around the time the first relief party was being organized, California settler named George Yunt had this premonition um, of settlers struggling in deep snow and struggling to survive. And supposedly he had food ready for Reed when he made it um, across Sierra Nevada the first time. He's going to help organize the second party. So the second relief party would reach Truckee Lake on March 1st. No one at Truckee Lake, Truckee Lake had died during the interim between the departure of the first and the arrival of the second party. Which, that is surprising mm-hmm. as well. So he must have made some pretty good time, and they, I think they also gave them some plies to live off. I'm sure the snow is melting a little bit. But just like as we saw with some of the other members of the party, I don't think their rationing was very well, well, yeah. well handled. Uh, the rescue party saw some horrible things. The first two members saw a man named Trudeau carrying a human leg. When he saw the rescuers, he threw it in a hole that contained the dismembered body of Jacob Donner. So they were pretty much they made a hole in the snow, and they were trying to use it like a refrigerator. That would be pretty terrifying to see if you had no clue what was going on. That, yeah. I, would, I may have run and say, oh, we're, in we're in the wrong place. Bye. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. They soon discovered that three other bodies had been consumed along with Jacob Donner. The second relief party would evacuate 17 more migrants. Only three of them were adults. George Donner once again had to stay behind with family because the gangrene continued to spread. There's so many children. There's, they have a lot of children. There's a lot of kids. We and need to put that up on the website, like, oh, this like, is the, the, like the, the, the family trees and all that like stuff. This is scarring, though, mm-hmm. at this point. So the trip back was rough. A, bl- a blizzard hit, 
and they move slowly. Mary Donner had such bad frostbite on her toes that she was unaware that when she was sleeping one night, her feet were actually in a fire. Oh. Uh, that's one thing that a lot of them are going to suffer from. A lot of them are going to have to have toes and fingers amputated from frostbite. So several people are going to freeze to death, and 14 are going to make it back. The third relief party um, is going to occur when that second relief party gets to safety. Half of them are going to split up and are going to move back to Truckee Lake. Foster and Eddie finally arrived at Truckee Lake on March 14th. So that is what? 14 days. Not that long. They did much better than the first group. Yeah, two, two weeks. Probably because a lot of that snow is starting to melt. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, there they found that all their children had perished. That's not cool. Louis Kessberg, who if you remember from episode one, was the one that was very eager to hang James Reed after the incident. He's the gallows dude. Yes, he's, he's unhinged too. Uh, told Eddie that he had eaten the remains of Eddie's son. Eddie is outraged and swore to murder Kessberg if they ever met again in California. Ted part was that Kessberg was you know, delusional before mm-hmm. the trip started. So Correct. I'm sure yeah. this didn't help. George Donner and one of Jacob Donner's children were still alive at Alder Creek. Tamson Donner had just arrived at the Murphy cabin. She could have walked out alone, but chose to return to her husband, even though she was informed that no other relief party was likely to be coming soon. So um, Tasman Donner, even though she could have got out, she said, I'm staying here with my husband. He needs help. So Foster and Eddie and the rest of the third relief left with four children, Trudeau and Clark. Two more relief parties were mustered to evacuate any adults who might still be alive. Both turned back before getting to Bear Valley, and no further attempts were made. So now, almost three weeks, three to four weeks passes, and um, a group of people are going to go from Sutter's Fort and try to salvage the belongings of the Donner Party. Because there's like a lot of charity going on, and people realize what had just happened, and there's a lot of people within California trying to help them and trying to get them on their feet. So they wanted to go back, get their belongings, sell them, and give a lot of those proceeds to help out all the orphans. Salvage party found the Alder Creek tents empty except for the body of George Donner, who had died only days earlier. So he, he survived a very long time with gangrene, which is kind of surprising, especially in those conditions. Yeah, I don't think I necessarily would have wanted to live longer with yeah. gangrene. Doesn't really sound... Nice. Typically, they just got to start cutting things off wherever the infection is. There was is. a doctor on the trip. Doctors weren't really doctors back then. Well, he, he had a saw. That's <laughs> You're talking about a time where they just amputated. And they <laughs> would, if you had a headache, they drilled a hole in your head. So well, it's kind of the dark ages of medicine still. It was, it was in progress. <laughs> um, so on their way back to Truckee Lake, they found Lewis Kessberg still alive. According to him, Miss Murphy had died a week after the departure of the third relief party. Some weeks later, Tam, he said Tamson Donner had arrived at his cabin on her way over the pass, soaked and visibly upset. Kessberg said he put a blanket around her and told her to start out in the morning, but she died during the night. Sure. The salvage party, however, was very suspicious of this because they found a pot full of human flesh in the cabin along with George Donner's pistols, jewelry, and $250 in gold. The men threatened to lynch Kessberg right on the site, but um, he confessed he had just taken the money at Tamson's suggestion, 
um, so it could benefit the children, so they don't kill him there. On general, January, April 29th, 1847, Kessberg was the last member of the Donner Party to arrive at Sutter's Fort. And then, just in a weird, weird decision, he tries to open up kind of like a bed and breakfast <laughs> and run a restaurant on the side. I wonder what he called it. Uh, be something good to look up. Obviously, it's going to fail. Obviously. I mean, I mean who terrible. is yeah, going to want to eat at a restaurant that you know <laughs> the guy ate people? Why would you stay somewhere? And With the assumption that exactly. the guy also killed someone. Because one thing that's important to know is everybody knows about the story. Like, right. it's in all the papers, East Coast, right. West Coast. Everybody knows what happens. Everybody's just completely shocked and sickened and appalled by all this. Most of the blame came down on Lewis. Yes. Which really would affect him later in life. Yeah. Well, he's kind of... Maybe, maybe not his best business decision to open up a restaurant, hotel. Yeah. Uh, I think he could have probably found some other work that may have... I'm sure he could have figured out something better. Mm-hmm. I'm sure hard labor maybe. was a thing. <laughs> so of the 87 people who entered the Wasatch Mountain, remember that was that mountain range that they had to cut a road through when they first got on that Hastings Trail, which should have told them there's no trail here. Should have turned back then. Mm-hmm. Only 48 are going to survive. Only the Reed and Bream family remained intact. Many of the children were orphaned and would be taken in by other families of the party. Reed is actually going to fare well later on in life. He fights in the Mexican-American War, survives that, and then he's going to make a whole lot of money in the gold rush. Nice. The Breens are going to open a bed and breakfast. And kind of like with what happened with Kessberg, people are going to start to realize that they were involved in cannibalism and the business is going to fail. So you have a lot of people within this party that are going to have a hard time adjusting to life after the tragedy. At least the ones that were stuck. Mm-hmm. Like the, ones that, the ones that had the worst possible scenarios happen, they have a hard time readjusting. Correct, because everyone has them labeled as cannibals yeah. and want nothing to do with them. Yeah. Mary Graves is going to marry early, but her first husband is going to be murdered. So this poor woman is just suffering tragedy after tragedy. But in the ultimate sign of grace, she cooked his killer's food while he was in prison to ensure the condemned man did not starve before hanging. When I first, when I was doing the research on this and I first read it, I had some type of Freudian slip and I thought it said she cooked the killer, <laughs> but that was not the case. She is far more kind than that. Wow. <clears throat> Eddie remarried and started a family in California. He t- attempted to follow through on his promise and murder Louis Kessberg. Remember, Louis Kessberg had eaten his son, and he promised to kill him if he ever saw him again. But James Reed is going to dissuade him, along with Edwin Bryant. A year later, Eddie recalled his experiences to J. Quinn Thornton, who wrote the earliest account of the episode, also using Reed's mem- memoirs um, of his involvement. So that's going to be the first kind of account that was written down so the first real history of what happened with the Donner Party would probably be an interesting thing to read. It would be, actually. Kessberg brought a defamation suit against several members of the Relief Party who accused him of murdering Tamson Donner. He is going to be found innocent, but you can, based off of what he wins, you can tell that the judge really... Hated the verdict. Really hated the verdict and thought he was guilty. There probably just wasn't enough evidence yeah. to... to uh, it's kind of hard to have evidence going both ways there when you're mm-hmm. the only one there. 
So he is going to be awarded $1 in damages, and he is going to have to pay all the court costs. Nice. That's like, what, $5 today? That's, yeah, it's not even... That's not worth it. Nope. The court costs are probably a lot more. That is true. So as Kesper grew older, he did not venture outside, for he had become a pariah and was often threatened. He never could get past that stigma, rightfully so. But Virginia Reed would sum up the journey best. Don't take no cutoffs and get where you're going as fast as you can. So that completes the Donner Party. I just have one question. Yes. What happened to the brush hut of single men? <laughs> I mean, they didn't have anyone to hold them back. It's <laughs> a good question. Were they? I'm assuming they maybe had to be part of that first party out. I'm assuming. I mean, there's that'd no be one, something. I mean, there's no one there for them. Ah, that'd be something for for us to look up. Is what happened yeah. to each individual individual person. person. Let me mm-hmm. put that on the website. But yeah. Donner Party, one of the great American tragedies of the Old West. Truly a tragedy. It is, it is a very, very bad tragedy. And like I said in episode one, I'm still... Confused as to why. Not confused, but concerned that my fourth grade teacher made us watch a movie on it. Oh, I can see how that would be bad. Yep, well, well it happens. So thank you for joining us. Um, and please join us for next week's episode, which is going to be a... Baseball special for opening day. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes, and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.